Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are still in our series, Enjoy. And today we are talking about happiness homework. Before we get started, I have a question for you all, and that is, what makes you happy? Enjoy. This morning, we are still in our series in Philippians, um, and it's been a series on joy. Um, And it's been really fun, and who has enjoyed it so far? It's been fun, but it's also been challenging. Uh, So I imagined when we started this series, I was like, a series on joy? I'm in. Um, And it's actually been, it's been hard, because we've talked a lot about um, the maturity sometimes that you need to choose joy, or the pain that we experience that actually makes room for the joy. And so um, I really enjoyed it. And so we're going to continue this conversation this morning. We are in the book of Philippians chapter 2. It goes like this. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who has shown genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think that it is necessary to send back to you, whoa, (laughs) Epaphroditus? Not one of the biblical names that people like name their children. This is just, this is one kind of phased out. Um, My brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger. By the way, if anyone did name their child that, there's no shame. Um, We will love that child. Whom he sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. That's a life verse if I've ever heard one. Um, So here we are in the book of Philippians. Paul is writing from jail, and he's at the point where he's saying, I want to send my two friends to you. I feel like there is sorrow. You need your spirits lifted, and so I'm going to send you friends, which is scientifically, fundamentally, one of the things that brings us joy in life is our relationship, our quality relationships with others, right? So it makes sense that if someone's going through something, what you would send them is a friend. And so we're going to talk about ways that we bring joy and happiness to our lives. But before we do that, I want to talk about some of the things that make us not happy. Um, Worry and anxiety, am I the only one who's ever experienced them? Good, okay. Apparently I am. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Um, I've been listening to like a lot of podcasts about fear and worry and anxiety. And by listening to, I mean, whenever I'm in the car with Sammy, that's what she's listening to and I have to listen because I'm in the car. Um, But it's been really good. And so we're listening to this podcast um, about worry and anxiety. And it was fascinating because what the person was saying is that we worry and most of our worry and anxiety comes circles around the worst thing happening. So whatever in our mind is the worst thing, that we imagine that happening and that creates a state of worry in our present even when that thing isn't happening, right? So I'm worried about finances. I have enough money for today, but I'm worried I won't have enough money for tomorrow, but it's not tomorrow yet, so that worry is now coming today, right? 
I'm worried about my health. I'm worried that something might happen. I'm worried about climate change. I'm worried about whatever these things are. And we let the worry for that future come into our today instead of being present with what we can do or what, what we need, what action steps we need to take, right? Is anyone familiar? Yeah. So the fascinating thing about that is this, this guy interviewed people who had experienced like the worst thing that they could imagine, right? Who had gone through different kinds of trauma. And one thing they all said was that even though the worst thing happened after it, I, I realized there was still life and there was still joy. And the interesting thing about a room like this and any room full of human, human beings is that so far, every single person in this room has made it through the hardest thing you've ever been through. Whatever the worst that has already happened to you, you are here. And I've probably realized that there is joy on the other side and the joy on the other side feels different, but it's there. And so what does it mean for us to not get into a state of worrying about the worst thing that might happen and resting in the fact that the worst things that have already happened and we're still here? So we know that there is joy on the other side of the worst thing, whatever that thing is, and it's so seasonal, right? But to understand that and to go through that, we need to move through hard things, like Sammy said. And what has struck me about this series in joy is I imagine preaching exclusively on joy. And I feel like every time I've stood up here, I've talked about the interaction of joy and pain. I'm like, what? I wanted just a happy series, right? But I've talked a lot about how you can only experience joy to the depth at which you're willing to experience pain because they come from the same place. They come from the same well, right? So a deepening of one is a deepening of another. But we have a couple tendencies. So we have this tendency to worry and to anxiety. But then if you're anything like me, you also have a tendency to avoid any hard thing at any and all costs and like create like a, a fake happiness. Anyone ever? No, okay. I'll tell you all about it. It's fine. And so like Sammy was saying, we've been having these hard conversations. And our life has been so, so busy in the past year and a half. Um, we have been on like three planes a month for like... 14 months straight, we have, we have, we were home in September 10 nights in our own bed. Um, we have been traveling and going and going and going and trying to figure out how to run a company that makes money so we can be at New Abbey, so we can do the things we want, and what does that mean in the future? And it's been go, 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 go. And a couple weeks ago, um, our friend invited us to Hawaii. Ugh, get a friend like that. So, um, <laughs> pro tip, you want to bring up the joy, just you got to get a... Couple of friends. So, um, so invited us to go uh, to her house in Hawaii, and it was going to be the three of us, and we were going to write and dream and just take some time. And we were so looking forward to it because we have been nonstop. And this trip was only about like writing and hanging out and like just like being. And so we got there a day before our friend because she had something to do. And then the day we got there, she actually called us and she had a family emergency. Um, and that family emergency wasn't going to allow her to come with us. Um, and so we were like, whoa. So now it's just the two of us. We're in this house on the beach, and we're like, this is going to be so amazing, right? This is going to be incredible. We're finally going to stop. We're finally going to slow down. And um, it's maybe like four hours in, and we're like arguing. And we're like, wait. <laughs> we can't argue because we're in a beach house. So I don't know. Like, I don't know what we need to do, but let's like, Figure it out. And then we're like having this conversation. We're like, this is a very hard conversation. And we're like, I think these are all the things maybe that like could have been little conversations along the way. And we've been so busy. And now we finally stopped. They're like all here. So we're like, OK, fine. Like, we're going to talk about them. 
And so then we can enjoy the beach house. Um, and so we talk and talk and talk, and the conversations were hard, but like so good. You know when you have a conversation, you're like, that was so hard, but afterwards I feel so close, I feel so amazing. And then the next morning, we're sitting on the beach, we're watching the sunrise, and the waves are rolling in, and we're talking, and we start arguing. We're like, hey, we can't argue at the beach, <laughs> okay? It's a theme. And we literally, this is just an insight to our personalities, we literally looked at each other, we're like, okay, should we avoid this because we're at the beach, or should we keep talking about it, right? It was an actual option on the table. And we're like, <laughs> like, okay, no, I think it's good that we even realize we want to do that, we should keep talking, okay? So we keep talking, and we moved through those things, um, ended up having an amazing time in Hawaii, and ended up feeling so close. And then, like Sammy shared, our date night a few last week, um, still at the end, felt so close. And these two experiences reminded me how much I love her and how close we are and how special this thing is. Not when, like, if we would have just went to the beach and everything was perfect, right? Which is not always what we think is going to happen. We think moving into something hard or moving into the painful feelings or moving into the questions or opening conversations that we don't know the end of, right? We're, like, having these conversations, like, are we going to have kids? When are we going to have kids? Who are we going to have kids? Who's going to raise our kids, right? Um, <laughs> What are you going to do with money, and how's it going to work? And the answer to that, by the way, is Lucia, my mom. Um, but, yeah. yeah. But we're, like, having these conversations. I'm like, are we even old enough to have these conversations? And we're like, you know. And, and so the, there's two things, right? There's, there's a part of us that worries so much about things that haven't happened yet, and then there's part of us that avoids the things that are happening yet. And all that creates is a false emotion, a false self right? It robs us, robs us of our ability to be present in our present moment in our lives with what's going on. And we need both the joy and the pain to ever do that, right? And so we've been having these conversations after conversations after conversation. And then um, I read this poem from Rumi that I want to read to you all called The Guest House. It goes like this. This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. They may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark, though, the dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So this poem is my nightmare. Um, <laughs> but it's something that I've been reading a lot to try to remind me that hard doesn't mean wrong. Hard doesn't mean bad. Hard means hard. That's a part of being a human. That pain doesn't mean that joy is gone forever. That a hard thing doesn't mean that I'll never be good again. That worry doesn't mean I'll never be happy. That anxiety doesn't mean I'll never be present. These things are a part of being human. This is hard is the price of admission, right? This is what a friend told me recently, which like, ugh. I was like, what? I didn't want to get into this club. Um, <laughs> so I say all that just so we're clear that going through hard things and acknowledging hard emotions and having hard conversations is absolutely integral to experiencing joy. And I wanted to set all that up and say that so that when I talk about this next thing, it doesn't sound like I'm trying to dismiss, dismiss that reality they are both true. So while all of that is true, on the other side, I think there are some things that we can do to 
choose joy in our lives. And when I say that, and when I start talking about this, I just, I know someone's going to be like, mumbo jumbo, what did you read, The Secret? No, okay. This is like, I really want to have this conversation. Um, so, so we were listening to another podcast. So there's a, some of you may have heard of this, there's a professor at Yale. So a psychology professor at Yale, her name is Dr. Lori Santos, um, started reading all of these studies about how in the past decade, the number of 20-year-olds that were experiencing extreme mental distress has more than doubled, okay? More than doubled in 10 years. And this is the population that she works with. So she's like, we gotta do something about this. So she starts doing this research because she has her doctor in psychology and she's a professor at Yale, which means you do research before you say anything, I guess. And so she does all this research and she develops this course called Psychology in the Good Life, okay? And she's like, maybe 20 people are gonna show up to this class um, and it'll be cool, we'll get like 20 guinea pigs and we'll test them all. Like 1,300 people, one in every four Yale students signs up for this class, right? She's like, whoa, okay. Like they have to have class in like the concert hall at Yale. They had to rent out like 30 classrooms to do the midterm, okay? This thing is like blowing up. And so she did all this science and research on what creates happiness. Things like meaningful relationships with people, um, things like being outside, things like gratitude, things like kindness, and all these things that sound like hippy-dippy mumbo-jumbo but are real, and you know they are. Um, and so then this hashtag started trending, hardest class at Yale. And she was like, it's the hardest class at Yale, not because of like, the coursework or all these things, but because she gave homework about actually choosing these things in your life every single day and seeing what kind of change that produced in you, right? Because here's the reality. Sometimes we know the things that we can do to choose joy or to choose like a healthy life and we don't do them. Like we literally know those things. And you know how to identify, the quickest way to identify one of those things is have you ever had an experience and immediately after you say to yourself, I do this more, right? It's like, I don't know. Literally, why don't I do this more? And I'm more guilty of this than anyone, just so we're clear. One of the things that makes me happiest in this world is spending time with my nephew. I have a nephew, he's 14 years old, and he happens to be the only 14-year-old angel in the entire world. He's perfect. <laughs> and I'm not biased. That's just objective. Um, he's perfect. And I haven't seen him in months. Why? Every time I hang out with him, I'm like, gosh, this gives me so, life, so much life, and I love him, and I want to be a part of his life, and then every time I'm like, why don't I do this more? Literally, why don't I do that more? Nothing's stopping me, right? There is something difficult about the way we are designed that the things that we know will bring us life and bring us joy, we do not do. And I am the worst of this because as an Enneagram 7, as someone who likes to be positive, the minute I get sucked into a negative emotion, I spiral in it, and I just like swirl in it like it's like a bath. And Sammy will say something like, maybe you should go for a run, or maybe you shouldn't. I'm like, no. <laughs> I just need to be here. <laughs> and has anyone, if we're being completely honest, has anyone ever felt like shit? So then you eat like shit. So then you drink like shit. So then you feel like shit. Why do we do this? I don't have an answer for you, but I know it's something we do. 
So I set up all the first points so you don't think that I'm trying to dismiss anyone's feelings or saying you can't feel sad or saying that you always have to be happy. But what I am saying is there is a little bit of maturity and intentionality that you need if you want to live a joyful life. It's not just something that happens. You wake up and you're like, I feel good, so I'm going to keep feeling good. Sometimes you have to turn that shit around yourself. And that takes maturity. And that's what's been fascinating about this, um, this series in joy is it's so much like with our last series of maturity, like it takes a lot of maturity to do this. I say all the time, like as, as someone who is generally has a positive disposition like since birth, but it is work to like see the other side. It takes an intentional decision to say, okay, I'm not gonna sit in this. Okay, I am going to remember something. Okay, I'm not gonna worry about tomorrow when tomorrow's not here and I'm in today. That takes work. That doesn't just happen one day and you're like, am I gonna be happy? You tell me, right? It's like, no, I'm gonna choose some very specific things. And so the uh, Psychology and the Good Life, the class, they give homework. So they gave this homework um, that you were supposed to do every day and then they measured a ton of different things like over the course of the course, course. and um, over the course of the course, they saw massive impact, right? Across the students' satisfaction in life, um, different feelings of being overwhelmed by anxiety started to go down. And it's super simple actions, but they're super hard to do, right? How do you know that like if every day you went outside for like 20 minutes, you would generally feel better? And how many people go outside for 20 minutes every day, right? Except for Doug, who rode his bike here. Shout out to Doug. Yeah, claps for Doug. So, so here's my challenge to us all. What I don't want you to take away from this is every day you have to be happy. And if you're not happy, you have to force it. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. If pain is coming to your door, like Rumi said, invite it in, let's see what it has to teach us, let's have it make room for more joy in the end. I am not saying that you cannot feel sad. What I am saying is that there are intentional steps in our life and things that we can do to choose joy, to choose happy, and to manufacture some of these things in our life so that when pain does come, we might be different people. And that I want to challenge us to choose some of those things and to do some of those things together and to see what happens. I love what Jess shared. Where are you, Jess? Um, yes. I love that. I love that we get this with so many areas of our life. You're like, okay, this is what's going on with my health. I need to choose some things. Those things are simple, but they may not be easy. I'm going to not eat meat for one year. Simple. Easy? No. Right? If you're me. Yes. If you're, and if you're Jess. And that hasn't been easy and all these things. And a year later, and look where you are. We understand this with our physical bodies. We understand this with a lot of things. Well, it's the same with how we experience and see and perceive our life in the world. That if we do simple things that are not easy, it might change the way we interact with what's happening around us. So, like a good Yale professor that I am, um, I just remembered, my friend Tiffany's here. She went to Yale Law School. Isn't that amazing? Someone in here went to Yale Law. I don't know where she is, but she was here at one point. Oh, there she is. <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, so I'm gonna give us all the same homework. And I'm gonna ask that for a week, we just try this. For a week, we commit to trying to do things to intentionally choose joy and see how that might change things in our life. 
You may be like, it didn't change anything. This is hippie mumbo jumbo. Sorry that you've had to listen to me for 20 minutes. And you may be like, this was awesome, okay? But we're just gonna try. Because that's the thing about being in a freaking gym, you realize like, you can have all the ideas in the world. If you don't freaking do something, nothing's gonna happen, right? So you wanna bring more joy in your life, you wanna have these things, let's try some stuff, yes? Okay, so here, this is the exact same homework from the course, I'm gonna give it to us all this week. These things happen every day. Meditate at least five minutes. At least five minutes. Sleep eight hours, and all the parents laughed. But here's the thing about getting eight hours of sleep. Whether or not that feels possible, if you have kids, you have whatever it is, you know the moments when you could be sleeping, but you are scrolling Instagram. I know the moments I could be sleeping, but I'm like, but I want to stay up to watch this Netflix show. Maybe just for a week, we choose sleep. Write down three things you're grateful for every day. They cannot be the same thing. So if one day you're like, my mom, my dad, my sister. The next day, it can't be my sister, my mom, my dad. No, it's like three, <laughs> three things you are uniquely grateful for that day. And the fourth is to do something kind every day. Do something kind for someone else every day. Specifically for someone else. <laughs> and buy yourself shoes and be like, this is so kind to me. Um, <laughs> for someone else. So this is our homework for the week. Um, and I am anxious to see how it goes. Sammy and I are gonna practice this too. And we're gonna try to choose joy and see what it looks like to be intentional around that. Does that sound good? Yes? Okay. So. With that, you're gonna grab the same three or four people around you and answer this question. Do you think that happiness homework will work? Number two, if we're being honest, do you want it to work? All right, enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.